When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast here on the A to Z Sports Streaming Network. Lovely to have you guys in for another episode of the show. We got the mighty wordsmith, Joe Rexroad, uh, entirely too close to Joe Rexroad's face, but either way, we're grateful to see our friend. Hello, Joseph. I've. <laughs> yes, we are night driving at this point. That is the, uh, that, that's the musical selection for the day. And Robbie made it sound like if you say F- that's a problem. Is that a problem now? Are you guys like all? No, 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 no. We have not gone so corporate that uh, okay. that, that yeah. is frowned upon. But certainly, he's not used to it. He's, you know, Joe. We were we were pioneers with this podcast when we first started having all of the uh, the local Nashville media members on the same platform. And then once we first got John Glennon to drop the first, F- it uh, felt like it was blazing new trails for everybody. So I'm <laughs> glad that we've come this far three years later. I didn't realize he had the first one. Glennon, of all people. That's so weird. No, no, no. He didn't have the first one. That honor belongs to Kaharski. It took the most amount of time to bully Glennon to get him to say oh, it. Oh, I got Oh, yeah. Now I remember. You, you're you like, come on, John. Come on, buddy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Straight Lace Young. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That sounds about right. Well, we are uh, always uh, grateful for the Mighty Wordsmith's presence here on the podcast. Uh, of course, you can hear him from 6 to 10 a.m. on 1025 The Game. Uh, Robbie and Rex Road and read him at theathletic.com. We are going to talk about the Titans, put a bow on their offseason, the latest in Hopkins stuff. Got some new information on that. We will do all of those things right after I remind the audience that the podcast is presented by Relax the Back here in Nashville and Two Rivers Ford. We greatly appreciate them making the podcast go, and we'll tell you more about them here in just a little bit. Um, there's been a lot of stuff to talk about and whether it's quarterbacks, whether it's Hopkins, all these different things, but like the idea of them and this offseason and the way that they've managed it. I want to start with the general manager, Joe. How would you evaluate the job that Rand Carthon did at addressing everything that needed to be addressed, whether those things work out in principle, but offensive line, wide receiver, quarterback, all the Jeff Simmons contract, all the different things that got laid out for this dude in his first year, how would you assess the job that he's done? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, I'd like to answer that after about a month of watching this offensive line. Sure. Because he did a lot of stuff. I just I have no idea how effective it'll be. I mean, I Dillard. But I think yeah, that's I the question, though, Joe. He addressed it. Like, we have no idea sure. what this product is going to look like on the field. And I'm just talking, taking it through, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this offseason, I'm sure, in different terms when somebody shits the bed in week seven or a week eight, because they have a buy in week seven, and you know we're putting on the general manager for making, making bad personnel decisions. But just in terms of addressing needs. Yeah, well, I think he addressed everything except receiver. And I like, you know, like I like the key ad. Um, I, I, think, I think he addressed everything but receiver. The Simmons extension, very important. You know, good job there. The Bayard ask for a pay cut, very awkward. Um, and yeah, I mean, the glaring hole here which of course still could be addressed and i know we'll talk about is 
is is the receiver room. I also, I mean, you tell me on this because you asked that, and I, it, it is different, man. It just feels different, and it is different. It doesn't just feel different, but you asked me about, like, you know, what is what about what Rand's doing? Or, wow, asking buyer for a pay cut, you know, this or that. Understanding he's the GM, he does the GM stuff, I still think of it differently now because of Vrabel's different standing. You know what I mean? I mean, do you, do you, are you able to just divorce the two and think of it in those terms? So that's interesting. So you're saying Vrabel's different standing in terms of what? Well, what I'm saying is like, I just, I feel like Vrabel has more power. Mm -hmm. And so I feel. Well, you don't have to feel that. We know that. Right. So, so I also feel like it's, it's just a little in in the past. It was just clearly like, and, and look in the past, even like Vrabel didn't have input, right? I mean, if you're a GM and your head coach doesn't have a ton of input, what are you doing? But it still was like, this is on John or kudos to John. And now I do kind of feel like blame's a little muted potentially and credit's a little muted potentially because of how, and I look, I understand lots of franchises are like this. You could look this. John Lynch gets a lot of love, but Shanahan has final say. So, Anyway, whenever the like Rand Carthon questions come up, I do like it does feel different to me than it did before John was fired. Okay, now I I understand what you're saying. You're right. It absolutely does. Uh, And I think Mike wants it that way, right? Like Mike wants muted blame. Mike wants muted credit, probably, even though, you know, I'm certain Mike Vrabel likes a pat on the back every once in a while as well. Oh, he loves it. He loves it. (laughs) Well, he He needs he needs the affection and the acceptance. Come on. <laughs> God, I just I love the idea of Mike Vrabel when he goes home at the end of the day thinking about oh I'm just I have to do the thing that's going to give me the love of the people. It's just they like me, they like me. Karski likes me. Karski likes me. <laughs> I wish God, I wish that was true. He uh, um he is in an interesting spot, certainly. And maybe we should talk about this stuff more in terms of Vrabel because I mean, Joe, I don't know what you heard about their draft, but that was very much Ryan Cowden driven until he was no longer with the organization, draft and free agency. Ryan Cowden driven as in decisions. Decisions being made that were very, very much as influenced by Ryan Cowden as they were the new general manager. The guy who didn't get the job was still an integral part of what their draft and free agency process was. So, Well, certainly. I mean, obviously they they – used his expertise and he worked his butt off all through that. And you knew it was going to happen, right? Like this is what happens. Like you're going to work and then probably you know, breakers in, you're probably going to be somewhere else next year. But I, just before you pr- proceed, you heard that like there were moments where Cowden kind of interjected and said, no, no, we're doing this. Now I don't want to, I don't want to say interjected, but I will okay. say that um, because I don't, I don't know that to be specifically so. But what I was told is that a lot of Cowden's influence was certainly felt, I mean, almost as much as ran in the free agency process, even though we linked almost all of those free agents to ran. And, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly that doesn't hurt anything. But um, that as far as his input, his evaluation, the time that they've spent already, as we understood through the draft process before John was fired, like Ryan Cowden was – a very important piece, if not as important as the guy that they just picked over him to do the job. That's interesting. Well, you know, I, you know, what I'd love is to be able to go back and like, I want to see like the scorecard of the times Cowden yelled at John Robinson and 
said, no, 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 we, you know, because, and that's one thing that I heard too. And really, I mean, I heard from both of them in the process, like, yeah, he definitely not a yes man. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. Robinson has, you know, Robinson's the GM, but Cowden, one reason that John liked him is that Cowden had his own opinion and could be strong with it. Like, Cowden's going to be a good GM someday. So, using Cowden and his expertise, I think, makes sense. Obviously, you want to be able to push forward from that, knowing that he's going to be gone. That's interesting. Yeah, well, it's just I'm I'm so I'm so fascinated to see what Rand's role ultimately ends up being here because I don't think you you just you mentioned it feels different than when we were talking about John. It is different than when we were talking about John. I I think that the role of general manager for this organization, while you know largely the duties will remain the same, I think I think what's happening now in practice and in principle is different than the guy who used to hold that job. Yeah. Well, and obviously the whole, I mean, the department is changing too, right? I mean, they, it is, I mean, if anything, one thing you can say about Rand Carthon's imprint is that it is starting to look a lot more like, like the Niners setup is, right? Which makes sense. Of course he would do that, but it, but this very much did not look like that not long ago. Yeah. Joe Rexrode of 1025 The Game in The Athletic or The Athletic and 1025 The Game. I don't know which one he prefers first is here with us on 104, uh, not on 104.5 The Zone. Damn it. There's too many numbers. There's too many places. There's too many outlets. We're on A to Z. This is 615 Sessions Podcast. I'm talking too much today. Um, I want to talk. Is DeAndre Hopkins, is the sweepstakes an actual sweepstakes? Do you feel at this point? This is exactly how I thought I was going to go down. Uh, I, th- I figured they'd both give offers that are sane and human, and he- he'd check it out. I, I I can embrace the idea that he was here and he was there because there was they were at least in the ballpark, and uh, I just I think that he's holding out hope that something's going to happen to to drive up the price. And in the meantime, miss some camp, okay. I mean, look, especially with these two teams, I mean, it's the same offense he spent most of his career in, right? Yeah. So, no, well, not the same offense, it sounds like, based on the way that things have developed, but I think there's going to be a lot of familiarity, certainly, in terms of... A lot of uh, what he did in Houston, they're going to do here, and the terminology, too. Yeah. Right? Um, and I would think... Well, I don't know about the terminology. I can't speak to the terminology, but I would think that a lot... There are a lot of similarities, even though the personnel is a little bit different, like... Yes, Very. I would imagine that there are going, he's going to know some things. Should he land here? Should he land in new England? Deandre Hopkins is going to know some things, but I want to play. And he's a veteran in the league. So like, I just, I feel like it's, I feel like it's going to, you know, we'll see maybe someone out there has a devastating injury and there's desperation or whatever. I mean, the chiefs get to the point where they want to, you know, come back and, and, and can, and find the money. But, and if like, if you're him, and it's not going to be that big of a difference. I mean, I'd go there, you know, like right. don't, is, isn't a ring chasing at least part of this. Well, let's I'm going to play for you. I don't know if you've seen this Albert Breer clip, but I've used it on the radio show uh, this week. Albert Breer kind of laying out the case basically for DeAndre Hopkins and the Chiefs. The meetings went really well. He had one-on-one time with Bill. How well could they have gone if he left? Well, he had one-on-one time with Bill. I think he's intrigued by the idea of playing for Bill. I know he communicated with the Titans while he was on the visit. He's got a close relationship with Mike Vrabel. All indications are he's still intrigued by the idea of playing for Belichick. What this tells me that he wants to wait till the start of training camp is that he's still holding out hope that he's going to play for a contender, like a true contender, like a Buffalo or Kansas City. And the one thing you want to watch here Kansas City's got almost no cap space. 
They're working on a long-term deal for Chris Jones, their star defensive tackle, to lower his cap number. If that happens, the door could open back up to him going to the Chiefs. So I think really what he's waiting for is something like that to materialize right now because the money isn't great. It's not the Odell Beckham level, which was what he was looking for. And, like, absent the money, I think he does want to play for a true contender. So that's courtesy of NBC Sports Boston. Um, and I want to get Joe's reaction to that here in just a second, right after I remind people that the podcast is made possible by Relax the Back Nashville, your one-stop shop. I know Joe's back hurts all the time. He's old. He probably needs a new desk chair. He probably needs a new mattress if he needs any of those things. He can go to Relax the Back, hashtag We Got Your Back Nashville, their storefront in Green Hills, a great spot for you to check out all of their great options. They got me on the standing desk train. I love it. You will as well if you're somebody who needs just a little bit more activity in your work from home or home office lifestyle. Relax the Back has you covered. What did you think of what Breer had to say about the Chiefs? Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, that doesn't come across to me as just him speculating either, right? So, uh, yeah, look, I, I think that I think that makes sense. Um, now, will the Chiefs – I want to know on the Chiefs side, is that something that they're actively thinking about? Because that sounded very much like a Hopkins, Hopkins agent side of report, kind of dream scenario. Do the Chiefs – do the Chiefs – want to get into that i mean i like i don't know why they wouldn't but then again every year well since i mean i guess i say every year there's been one year without tyree kill but like last year i'm like man i don't know those guys and then you're like oh yeah okay yeah they're fine they don't need it right they played they played with two and three tight ends all year and they were a better offense for it to be completely honest with you which is kind of crazy to think about like i agree with you basically you know not that we're out here trying to guess people's sources because that's not productive and we'll leave that for karski but I think that, <laughs> God, the way he goes at Mike Garofolo makes me laugh every time. I don't know why he does that. But anyway, um, I had, speaking of people he likes to source guests on, Diana. Diana was on the radio show today, uh, and she had just spent three days in Kansas City. She talked to Mahomes. She talked to uh, Veach. She talked to Andy Reid um, and Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, because she was there for the ring ceremony, right? And she said basically that uh, what they had, what the feedback that she had gotten, sure, who wouldn't want a player like DeAndre Hopkins? But right now, it's not something that they're necessarily actively working towards or focused on as any kind of a primary option. Like they won a Super Bowl last year, and their best wide receiver was Juju. It's just, right. it's not something that they necessarily need. Now, it's possible, but I do think that the, I think that the more time that passes, there was always going to be time, as you mentioned, with this. But the more time that passes, I don't think it benefits either the Patriots or the Titans because they're the two first out there. And, you know, the longer that it goes, they're just going to keep looking around and be like, but are we good enough? No. Are you going to go to Dallas and maybe wait for somebody to call you there? Is Indianapolis with $18 million in cap space? Does that intrigue you more? Don't you like us? I don't think that them being first out there and having to wait the longest works to their benefit. Yeah, I hear you. But you know what? If if something like like if the Chiefs were to come close, that to me seems perfect, right? I mean, you've got a fantastic offense. You get the best offensive designer in the league, best quarterback in the league, and you know, you, you, you it's not on you, but you can get a ring. But I mean, if that doesn't materialize, I could still see him coming back and saying, "Okay, after all this, nothing else great. How about like a couple mil more?" You know, and then. So I mean, I just I can't imagine he would pick the Patriots over the Titans, you know. 
like it, it's it is possible, Buck, that they end up just the only two teams that give him what he would consider credible offers, right? And that is well, and they haven't even given him the offers yet, right? Like that. God, I got I got fake aggregated last week for playing a, a, a Florio clip saying he had gotten an offer, and then all of a sudden I'm the one reporting it. I had to <laughs> very upset text messages from many people in the Titans organization, <laughs> and then I had to explain to them, no, this Dove Kleinman thing. He's not actually a real person. It's Dove just Kleinman. a thing what on the, the internet. What the hell is that? That that it's like just, a yeah, it's like a fake account, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's like it's like an anonymous person who just grabs stuff and quickly retweets it. Correct, which or I was the victim of it. last week, saying you know when Dove Kleinman all of a sudden I wake up from a nap thirty minutes later I've reported that DeAndre Hopkins got a contract offer from Tennessee. <laughs> anyway, um, but he knows, but he knows, but he knows their parameter. He knows correct. where they are. Yeah, yes. and and his agent will have been made aware of that. The only reason that there has not been a physical offer handed out is because neither the Patriots nor the Titans want the agent to turn around, hold up the official offer from either of those teams to another team and say, can you beat this offer? That's the only reason why there's not actually like a physical document that's been presented to Hopkins side of things. So would you, would you rather do a one-year deal or, or a multi-year deal with him? You know, if I felt good enough to offer him a fair amount of money this year, I would, I would consider a two-year deal with him, you know, and obviously that way it's easier to, I mean, you can do different things with it anyway in terms of like cap number and all that stuff. But look, man, I mean, if he, if he can stay healthy and he's past that stuff and I do buy into the idea that look, even if he does lose a step or two, like he can still be effective the way he plays just the, the, the reality of his frame and his hands like give him an edge in a lot of situations. So if it's like this year and now you actually, you know, I think have a chance with this offense, if he is that guy and then next year, if it's Levis, if that is what is going to happen, then why would it be bad to have him around, uh, you know, uh, to help that team along, even though it looks like it may certainly be a step back kind of year. Yeah, it's uh, not to you know plug all the things that I'm doing currently, but I literally just wrapped up a podcast with Greg Cosell not 20 minutes ago um, where Greg went through every element of why DeAndre Hopkins' game is going to age a hell of a lot better than your Julio Jones, your you know basically every other veteran wide receiver that Titans fans cite as to not do the Hopkins deal. Right. He's, just, he's just not the same kind of player. And I don't, I don't know how to articulate that well, so that's why I outsourced it to Greg. So if anybody's been paying attention to the install podcast on top of this one, that episode will be in your feeds here in about two and a half hours. So keep it It's on. like Kareem. You know, Kareem was old as hell, but he still, you know, he still posts you up and he, that hook shot will still get over you, you know? It's, it's nuance. It's study of your opponent to understand the different tendencies and movements that they make. You do have to have a degree of suddenness and athleticism, but he can have enough of that at 31 and also have the physical gifts of that frame, as you mentioned, and the hands, the size of your, uh, of a normal human being's head that give him those advantages. And I would love, love for, uh, for Traylon Burks. If I was a Titans fan to pick up some of the tools from DeAndre Hopkins, given Traylon Burks's frame and what he has that DeAndre Hopkins doesn't already or already does doesn't have, I guess, in terms of physical ability, I would love to see something like DeAndre Hopkins and a little bit of that carry off or wear off on Traylon Burks if he was to spend some time here in Tennessee. Yeah, no, I mean, I think especially it was interesting. I you know you always hear you know DeAndre Hopkins, different kind of guy, you know, like he's not consumed by football kind of guy or whatever. 
but at the same time, it's like, eh, okay, is he cool? You know, like, is yeah. he, is he good? Like, and I, I saw the tweet from him, which was what it was like, every, you know, receiver room will be better with me or whatever, which is like, okay, well, I mean, that's a, I mean, it's a good thing to hear a guy say. Also, I was kind of like, God, are you getting desperate, dude? Like, also, he doesn't, he clearly doesn't understand like sarcastic posts about how he's actually not washed up, but that's, that's okay. I do love that he's name searching. Uh, he's just bored. He's got nothing to do. He's, he's just like right. the rest of us, Joe. He wants this over. We want this over. And yet we all have to wait five more weeks before there can be any, at least five more weeks before there can be any kind of resolution. Um, let's talk briefly about the off season and some of the players that got work. I know you have to get out of here in about five minutes. I just want to remind the audience quickly that two rivers Ford makes the podcast possible 40 years here in middle Tennessee with award-winning customer service and quality American made Ford vehicles. I'm a two rivers Ford customer. I know Joe drives a Ford not to loop Joe into the advertisement because we're not paying him anything, but I know that Joe would have exceptional service were he to take his Explorer out to Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Um, do you remember that one time we did a podcast in your car, by the way? Shit. Kind of? It was hot as hell. It was training camp. You had somewhere to be. I had somewhere to be, and we had to do it in your car. I, I ultimately think I forgot to hit the record button on that. I don't think that podcast ever saw the light day. Are you serious? Yes, I think that's true. How many years ago was that? At least two. No, more than two, because two would have been was COVID. It pre-COVID? Would... Yeah, pre-COVID? for sure pre-COVID. Good times. You know, three years later, now I'm comfortable <laughs> telling you that, that that one didn't matter. <laughs> I wondered. I was looking for that, man. Like, that was maybe <laughs> the best podcast we've ever done. It was fun. We were, it was, a, you, you're, the, the idea that you have dark interior in your dark car is a terrible decision by you. Anyway, um, <laughs> the quarterbacks are the thing that people are going to talk about the most coming out of the offseason. Um is there something that supersedes the quarterback's discussion to you from the month of mandatory minicamp OTAs and, and rookie stuff that we've seen? No, I mean, this stuff is you're ba- it's basically seven on seven football. So I'm trying to watch you know, Dillard work against Weaver yeah. or Dillard work against Keith, you know, but I don't know. It's, it's not there. It's, it was not much. So, no, that's basically it. I mean, the, the quarterbacks and then the receivers. I, I was I was interested. You know, I, I although everybody identifies me with NWI, I've also I'm actually maybe more of a Racy McMath slappy. You know, because I just I I know man, but I still I I thought that we were seeing something last camp. I really did. I don't think yeah. It was what just we were Caleb seeing Farley. is Caleb Farley getting his yeah, ass. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it was just that man. I don't. But you know, I don't know. I I, I was interested to see. And just the offense in general, too. I mean, it looks different. I like what they're doing with, like, Ty J. Spears and stuff like that. But, yeah, the quarter, obviously, it's important. It's about what I thought. I mean, I it was like if Malik Willis doesn't – if there's some discernible improvement from Malik Willis, it, that's a real problem. And I thought there was. Now, I thought still here at times it was like, ooh, too ponderous. Oh, that one sailed on him. You know, Stop like, patting the ball. Yeah, and Tan- like Tannehill is – Obviously, you know, the, the, by far the best quarterback, you know, on the team. But um, I did think that, you know, it's clear Willis has been working hard. And I uh, he made some plays. You're like, yeah, there's I mean, there is still there's some stuff there, you know, with him. Well, and, and, it's Levis, not, and it's not even that like there's not enough there from Levis yet. Maybe there ends up being to supersede a, yeah. a slightly improved Malik. Right. That I thought was the larger takeaway. Yeah. But but see, but that doesn't surprise me either. I mean, to me, if they're like. 
close, then that probably still bodes well for Levis and can't. Now, we, we don't know, but, I mean, I think it probably does. You know, I thought with him, definitely, there were plenty of times where like, yep, there's a rookie quarterback who just has not been in this kind of stuff before with all the different things, the moving parts, even though he's been in a, in a quote, pro-style offense. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing that people flying around, even though they're in shorts and helmets. And he just looked like a rookie who's swimming. Uh, but I also thought with him, um, you know, I think you saw both things. One, just again, it's like this, man, how did that one fly off his hand so errantly? And then here and there, this the easy flick of the wrist and that ball is 50 yards downfield on a line. Like, oh, okay. And the athleticism, you know, the play, the play he made uh, to get Wiley a touchdown in that red zone period was, mm-hmm. now he, maybe he sacked in a real game, but like that was, that was a nice play. I mean, it's, it was, it's the most interesting thing. And yes, I'd say they're right around in the same neighborhood. I'm not surprised by anything. It's going to get more interesting as we go. Once, once everything resumes in five weeks. Yeah. And they'll figure out, you know, what it looks like in training camp and they'll have the Vikings and Patriots to go up against, to see how much better these guys have actually gotten without, you know, live in game reps beyond preseason. Um, so it's going to be fascinating and I'm looking forward to it. You can listen to Rex road, Ponder all of these off-season questions on Robbie and Rex Road 6 to 9. I said 6 to 10, 6 to 9 a.m. on 102.5 The Game. And, of course, you can read him in The Athletic. Is there anything that people need to be paying attention to? Did you do anything interesting today that people need to go back and listen to? What have you done lately that I can pull, pull out? Nah, it's, it's, it's pretty much just, you know, making the donuts. But I thought that we were talking about Bonnaroo, man. I thought you, oh, you told want to talk about we Bonnaroo? were talking about Bonnaroo. Um. You and I were both amazing. there on Sunday. I have never been to Bonnaroo. Have you? No. Um, your logistics on the way out, I understand, were nightmarish. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's not the best place to start. But, uh, Joe, I maintain that of all, and you've probably, you've not certain because you're old, uh, you've been to more events in your life of consequence than I have, but I've been to a few. There's not a Super Bowl, Indy 500, Stanley Cup playoff game, any of that that I have enjoyed as much as I enjoyed 15 hours in Manchester, Tennessee, listening to live music with the setup, just the everything that they had over there for people. The weather was fun, phenomenal. I had the time of my life on Sunday at Bonnaroo. Good. So did I, man. That was an incredible day. And my 12-year-old daughter was there from 9 a.m. departure to 3 a.m. at home. Hell yeah. And, like, never complained one time. She absolutely kicked ass. She got into a mosh pit for Girl in Red. I mean, it was – She got uh, a mosh pit? Okay. Yeah. Girl in Red wanted to, like – it was very good, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. we saw, like, nine bands. She was like, okay, I'm going to teach you guys about the mosh pit. And so I'm like, all right, go ahead. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's first mosh pit. I love it. Uh, yeah. Was, it was amazing, so, man. So who did you go for specifically? Like of all the acts that were out there on Sunday, was there one when you saw Sunday, you said, okay, I've got to be there for that? There were three, one of which I've seen Pixies. And uh, for people who don't know, Pixies, man, you got to know the Pixies. They rock your brains out. And they started all – like, and Dave Grohl, to his credit, tipped the cap, said Pixies who inspired all of us. I mean, the Pixies could have been as big as any of these bands. They were – so I've seen them. They were amazing. But also Franz Ferdinand, mm-hmm. which is uh, – I love that band, and they kicked ass. And then, But, you know, Foo Fighters is the man. I'd never seen them, which is a huge oversight on my part. And uh, in the last year, I've seen Red Hot Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, and Foo Fighters for the first time. Bands that I should have seen in the 90s when right. I actually was, like, in my prime, you know. But I tell you what, you tell me, 
yeah, and Pearl Jam, like all of them are, are fantastic. But Foo Fighters, I was like, like this shit is like th- those guys are. If that's not like on top of their game, I don't know what is. Like, no, they were they wow. were phenomenal, and I, you know, I I don't want to say that I didn't have any expectations because the Foo Fighters, obviously, hugely famous act, uh, going back you know decades and decades at this point. But I, Joe, I swear to God, Paramore was better for me than all of them. Than mm-hmm. all of them, I, I thought, like them like, a lot, start to finish, and maybe that's just like generationally, like because they're they're both rock stars, right? And Foo Fighters is certainly a different kind of music, but I mean, Foo Fighters were phenomenal, and I still came away thinking, and I shouldn't have because Dave Grohl was electric the entire time they played, way longer than they should have. I love that he got the opportunity, even though it wasn't my favorite part of the set. To you know, the moment with his daughter on Father's yeah. Day, I thought that was badass, like everything. And I still came away from that, driving home at 3 a.m. Damn, was Paramore just electric the entire time. It was the best for me. Well, and that's obviously your preference, right, too. But I will say, because and I, knowing very little, all I know about them is I know people, younger people who like them a lot. And I I now want to explore their music because they were, they were great. They were yeah. really good. I'm with you. It was awesome. So, uh, our promotions director, I don't know about you, perhaps we can have a, uh, it's not a battle of the bands, but a battle of the radio stations. They're telling me I can do live shows from Bonnaroo next year. So, if you happen to make your way out there, I don't know what it looks like at 6 a.m., but certainly we could, uh, you should try and strategize that as well, and we can all turn it into a work trip, and then, you know, do whatever it is that people do at Bonnaroo for potentially an extended period of time. Wow, that could be the death of me. But uh, I mean, six a.m. people are still up. I think right, so that might be fun. I think I think like the last <laughs> DJ goes on at five a.m. for the night, and then everybody <laughs> and then on the <laughs> disco side of the of the farm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rex Road. You know where to listen to him. You know where to read him. Uh, you can, if you don't, you can go to at Joe Rex Road on Twitter and do all of those things, buddy. It's great to uh, have you on as always, and uh, maybe perhaps we will plan a Bonnaroo trip together next time around. I'm in, man. We'll get a camper.